Welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech Edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. Boy, what a what an extended weekend it was. Obviously, starts out with getting back in the win column over UCF. Patrick Mahomes wins his third Super Bowl. But the story of really the extended weekend was Monday night. As Texas Tech takes number six Kansas to at, to task as they hammer them seventy nine to fifty Kansas's biggest loss to an unranked opponent in over seventy years. Over seventy years, an unranked opponent has never beaten a Kansas team this badly as Texas Tech did. Monday night. We're mainly going to talk about that one. We'll also talk about Patrick Mahomes and then the UCF game and look ahead at what really is a very gettable last six games for the Red Raiders. Before we get started, uh, if you will, go ahead and give us a five-star rating and review and go ahead and subscribe to the channel. That would really help us out. And by the way, we will be having, even though it's a Monday night basketball game, we will have a second podcast this weekend coming out tomorrow because Texas Tech also opens their baseball season in Arlington on a channel that, quite frankly, maybe not uh, quite games many people will watch because it costs $35 for the TV service uh, to stream it on your computer, but we will go ahead and preview the baseball season and have that up tomorrow. Anyway, we have to start out... While normally I like to go chronological, we have to start out with the Kansas game. That was one of the biggest butt whoopings I have ever seen on a basketball court of, of a Kansas team. I mean, really, I it it's it. I mean, I know we've seen it. We saw it. I was there in 2019 when it happened, and I actually went to this past game, the past two games, and I went with somebody, and I told them when it was 12 to four. This kind of feels like the 2019 start. I think it was 9-4, to and they took an early timeout in that game. This one, it was 12-4. to Kansas got on a bit of a run. believe they tied you at 14-all there. Nobody can score for a minute. Then, boom, you go on a 10-0 run, 24-14. And the most impressive thing about this, and I've heard this, and I think I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, that a lot of people think it's as Popeyes it goes, Texas Tech goes. Pop Isaacs had two single-digit scoring days, and now nothing against the guy. He had some nice assists there, only turned the ball over once in this game. I mean, he was fighting on rebounds. He was putting a body on guys. He was doing stuff off the ball, even though scoring wasn't going, and the big shot that he made was a nice three. But there are guys on this team that can produce, and one of the guys that I was the highest on coming in was Darion Williams, and holy cow. Did he have a night? 12 for 12 from the field, 4 for 4 from three-point land, and double-digit rebounds in his 30-point, 100% field goal shooting performance. Absolutely insane from Darion Williams. And as impressive as Darion Williams was, and look, he's certainly the most impressive guy of of Monday night for Texas Tech. There is no debating that. There is no conversation about this. But Robert Jennings, and we've seen him, we saw him on the floor with 
Warren Washington at the same time for the first time this season. I saw him come in and Warren Washington knock out. And I was like, okay, here we go. I know if y'all have listened to me before, you heard me talk about I would like to see him play the foursome. I, I think that could help us with size. And now, Robert Jennings is only a 6'7 guy. And Kansas has a guy in Hunter Dickinson who is over 7 feet, supposed to be one of the best players in the nation. Him and Zach Eady are the two guys that are going to bring back the whole, the big man. They're the return of the big man in college basketball. Well, he came into Lubbock with national player of the year hopes, Hunter Dickinson. Now, this is a guy that not only, and now I'm not a Mark Adams defender on much, but he also was very public with his criticism of Mark Adams calling him classless. Because he wouldn't pay for Terrence, or he wouldn't give Terrence Shannon a scholarship for the spring semester and summer semester so he could play basketball at the University of Michigan, Hunter Dickinson's old program. Because University of Michigan decided that, you know, his grades wouldn't transfer. And there's been a lot of guys that can't, that can't transfer. So he comes to Lubbock, finally gets to play in Lubbock. After just saying that, by the way, after his coach slap, punch, whatever whatever that thing was that Juwan Howard did. Somebody on the middle of the court. But he comes to Lubbock, Big Monday, ESPN, National Player of the Year hopes. And you know what? He died like a dog. He died like a coward. He didn't just get beaten by Warren Washington. And we'll talk about that because we... Eh, you know what? You just can't never have everything go too well for you. And <laughs> we got some stuff with Warren Washington. We got to talk about injury related. Some hope there. But he didn't just get beat by our seven footer. And now he got manhandled by Warren Washington. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Hunter Dickinson, you pull up this guy's stats. It's quite spectacular. Uh, 30 minutes, five points. 2 of 12 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3 with an air ball. He also went 1 for 2 from the free throw stripe, uh, 3 fouls, 7 boards. Warren Washington, who only got 20 minutes in this game because of injury issues, he got 11 points, 5 of 7, and all of this pretty much was matched up on Hunter Dickinson. Now, Warren Washington struggled from the free throw stripe. That's nothing new. 1 for 5, that's pretty bad for him, even for a big man. But also 6 boards. Robert Jennings, though. He didn't just get beat by our seven-footer. He got beat by 6'7 Robert Jennings, who a few weeks ago could barely find five minutes out on this basketball court. I, I mean, I, and, and you got to give Robert Jennings his flowers. I, this is a guy that a few weeks ago, I think it was the TCU game, his minutes that he was in that game ended terribly. I mean, that stretch when he was in the game was brutal for Texas Tech. But Robert Jennings... 20 minutes, 8 points, 1 of 2 from the field, 6 of 8 from the free throw stripe. That is one thing I've noticed. He's been good at getting into the line. He's also not a bad free throw shooter by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he's only He was only 65% last year. He's shooting it over 72% from the stripe this year. For a big man, heck, you'll take that all day, twice on Sunday, without a doubt. But Robert Jennings... A, he also had that breakaway dunk. For Robert Jennings to go up against, for large stretches, because Warren Washington is dealing with injuries, 
a National Player of the Year candidate who is over seven feet tall and go toe-to-toe with him and, quite frankly, just outplay the guy. He just outplayed Hunter Dickinson when he was in the game and matched up on him. And now he played the foursome. And by the way, Darian Williams matched up with K.J. Adamson. I'm not going to talk neg- too negatively about K.J. Adams. He He's a lot less hateable than your typical Kansas player. I'll, I'll say that much about him. He's been in the program for a while, worked his way up. But Darian Williams also just destroyed K.J. Adams down low at the number four position. I mean... What was it for K.J. Adams? He had 36 minutes, 5 points, 1 of 10 from the field, 0 for 1 from 3, 3 for 4 from the stripe. That's where most of his 5 points came from. And he only got 3 rebounds on the day, while Darian Williams, who's shorter than him, smaller than him, matched up on him, 38 minutes, 11 boards. I, I mean... That was as impressive as a performance, especially down low as we've seen. And now, this is not how I thought we would beat them. Uh, you can rem- recall me after the Baylor game, after we lost three straight. I said, I think we get back in the win column against UCF. I think that we beat Kansas. Well, I expected us to beat Kansas because their guard play leaves a lot to be desired. Furphy... He had this breakout game against Houston. Now, now credit to John Furphy. He's a really good player, but he wasn't quite on the scouting report. He wasn't the guy that everybody was looking at on the floor. Dewan Harris, he's a guy who, let's be honest, the guy can't shoot. The guy, the guy cannot shoot. Dewan Harris is not a shooter. He can't do it. Um, he's had games where he can hit shots if he's wide open, for, but for the most part, he is just not a shooter. You had Pop Isaacs and Joe Toussaint really not be at their best for you today. Uh, and Joe Toussaint and Pop, they weren't terrible. They weren't empty holes. They had one turnover each. Toussaint's was a pretty bad one. But they combined for eight assists, five from Pop, three from Toussaint. So they found ways without scoring. But they shot a combined three of 18 from the field. If we were going to win this game, I thought that was going to be guard play going into it. I did not expect that our guards would be fairly absent, quite frankly, because Nick Timberlake, John Furphy, Dewan Harris, uh, Timberlake and Furphy both went for 13 points. Harris got seven on two of eight shooting. But they outplayed you in the guard positions for the most part, minus the turnover issues. And you were able to beat them so badly down low while being so undersized that you run out of there with a 20 nine point win this was as impressive as a performance as I have possibly ever seen from Texas Tech basketball and if not ever seen from Texas Tech basketball then at least since that 2019 game where you killed Kansas as well so just some amazing stats from this one Um, in Kansas's last 11 trips to Lubbock you have three wins over them that's the 2019 win the 2021 win, and now the, or 2022 win, and now the 2024 win. Kansas is 8-3 and three in their last 11 trips to Lubbock with a minus 22-point differential. In their last eight trips, they are 5-3 and three over you with a minus 55-point differential. I mean, it really is every time they come to Lubbock, either you are beating the brakes off of them 
or you have Clarence Nadoni go off when you have Kevin McCuller and Terrence Shannon out, or you are just beating them by 29 points. I it is it, it really is amazing how either you are going to play them close in Lubbock or you are just going to take them to task. So just some new uh, some notes from this one. Um, just trying to wrap this one up. I you really cannot be more happy with how you play tonight. Uh, Hunter Dickinson also had some amazing comments that he didn't know how they were beating you or or why his shots weren't falling. And if he would have known, he would have fixed it. I, I mean, I know why his shots weren't falling. It was because Robert Jennings and Warren Washington had him in, his po- in their pockets all night long. But this team struggles rebounding. Now you outrebounded them, thirty-six to twenty-two. They took fifty-two shots. You took fifty-five. You hit twenty-seven. They hit seventeen. They had a lot more offensive rebound opportunities and a lot more size and length. I mean, John Furphy, he's like six-eight, playing shooting guard for them. You had six offensive boards. They had four, and that has been a common theme. That was a concern about this team. Rebounding was what it was. You go back to the Baylor game, and we talked about it there. Baylor had 11 offensive rebounds to your four, and I wasn't actually too mad about that because they had six in the first, I believe, five minutes of the basketball game, so you held them to five the rest of the way. You got four yourself. You know with how this roster is constructed, rebounding is going to be an issue. But against UCF, who was missing their starting center, but they still have some pretty good size, you out-rebounded them. 41-36 41-36 and outdid them on the offensive boards 13-12. I mean, this team, it's been a complete turnover, and I don't even need this team winning the offensive rebounding game. I really don't. I understand you have Warren Washington, then you don't have another guy over 6-7. But the fact that they've been able to do this, and I, I'm sure that they're going to regress a bit to the mean coming up, but if they can be even on the offensive glass... I, I think that is going to tell you everything you need to know about how far this team can go if they can just be even on the offensive glass. One more note on Hunter Dickinson. Uh, when asked how Texas Tech was making so many threes, he said that's how you shoot. How, that's just how people shoot against Kansas. I got to say, this has got to be the most hateable player ever. He was doing some dirty things, and he always does that. He did it against Baylor. He wraps somebody's arm up down low goes down, brings him down with him, and acts like he got fouled. I, I mean, it, also in November he was talking about how it's the in the Kansas DNA that you hit clutch shots. You've been at Kansas for like three months. You spent the last three years at Michigan. It's not in your DNA already. And right now you're one of the worst Kansas teams that we've seen in quite some time. They're 7-5. and five. They really should be 6-6. Six and six maybe five and seven in league play if it's not for a call against TCU and if it's not for Baylor turning the ball over 25 times in Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, man, Hunter Dickinson, it it was so fun to watch Robert Jennings uh, have him in his pocket. Your backup center had a national player of the year candidate in his pocket. And, of course, because you can never have so much good things going on at once without a little bit of bad things going on as well. <sighs> Warren Washington, there is injury concerns. So, 
he had an injury. It seems like it's something on the foot, a toe or something. And he returned to the game, had to pretty much take himself out. There is hope that it's a minor injury and that he can return. And quite frankly, I don't want to be this guy, but I am, I'm okay. I do not expect a win in Ames this weekend. I know this is going to be a brutal matchup for you. And by the way, Iowa State, top 10 team, just ran out of Cincinnati with a nine-point victory where it really wasn't that close for most of the game. Uh, they've won three straight, two in Cincinnati and at Texas, and then a double-digit win over TCU. I mean, this this Iowa State team is, is absolutely the real deal. They are going to be your second-toughest matchup other than that Houston game that you face all season until you get to the NCAA tournament. Or Kansas City, if you maybe if you play Houston again, I think at Ames may be tougher than Houston at a neutral court. I don't want to sound negative about the game on Saturday, but if it's a minor injury for Warren Washington, I am completely fine if we hold him out for Tuesday against TCU. And before. You judge that. And now, you are still in the Big 12 title race. You absolutely are in it. Houston and Iowa State sit at 8-3. and three, Then you're tied with Baylor on 7-4 and four in second place. One game back. You don't get Houston again. Houston does have some tough games coming up. They play Texas. They play Iowa State. They go to Baylor. That's their next three, and that is a tough stretch, especially with how Texas is playing right now. And then they finish with Kansas at home after a a few winnable games there in the middle. I said earlier, I just want this team to finish top four in the Big 12. I'd be more than thrilled with that one. Get that double bye, be straight into the Big 12 tournament quarterfinals. And here are your last six games. So you have three road games and three home games remaining after Saturday. Your three road games at UCF, at West Virginia, at Oklahoma State. The teams who are in the bottom three places in the Big 12 Conference. UCF, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State. Your three home games remaining. TCU at home, Texas at home, Baylor at home. So your three biggest rivals. Your last three road games are the three worst teams in the league. And then with this USA home court, which by the way, students did not show up Saturday and it was still now the people that are, that were there. It was a loud crowd, very, very, sm- very smart crowd. You're not cheering much when you're on offense, so got that figured out. But it was still a good home atmosphere. The home atmosphere Monday was absolutely insane, and I'd expect that pretty much the rest of the way. I mean, TCU, Texas, and Baylor. It there are not three bigger home games than that, other than Kansas. There are no other games in the Big Twelve that can compete with that kind of atmosphere. The type of atmosphere that you're going to see over these last three games. So you get Texas, Baylor, and TCU at home, and then the three worst teams in the Big 12. This is... I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm not saying that you need a 6-0 finish. By the way, you are now just two wins away from the NCAA tournament. You need to get to 9 you need two more to know that you're locked in. One more may still get you in, quite honestly. Although a one and six finish would be tough. But you should be able to get two of those three road games. 
Now, West Virginia is still going to be a tough place to play. I think they're coming down a little bit from their high. I don't think that Jesse Edwards coming back has helped them quite as much as I thought. Oklahoma State continues to just be a bad basketball team. I mean, I don't know how much longer Mike Boynton can last there. I, I really don't. They're 2-9 and nine in league play, 10-14 and 14 overall. West Virginia at least has some excuses for why they're bad with all the offseason drama, and they're sitting above them at 3-8. and eight. Morgantown's still going to be a tough trip. You're historically bad at gallagher at Oklahoma State, but they really haven't shown that much, uh, quite honestly. I mean, you, you have like 4,000 people going to their games at most. I don't think it's going to be as tough as of a road trip as you're used to when you go there. And then UCF, that is going to be a tough one. That's a long trip. I think that's your toughest of the road games. But still, the way you played against them wasn't that impressive on Saturday. I think that you're going to I think you're going to play better against them on the road than you did at home. Should be enough to get that win. And then quite frankly, you already beat Texas once. I know they've turned it around a bit, but you beat them on the road, now you get them at home with your home crowd behind you. Baylor, you played them really tight without Warren Washington, and now Robert Jennings looks even better than than he did going into that game. And then TCU, another tough road loss or tight road loss that I I don't think you're blinking if you have to play them at home. I I really don't. You should have every opportunity to finish three and zero at home and two and three on the road. And if you drop one and finish four and two, that's quite fine as well. You're probably going to be a sixth or seventh seed in the tournament. But you have a real chance to finish strong and possibly work your way all the way up to the three or four line in the tournament. And we'll go ahead and talk more about baseball uh, tomorrow. But here's what you got coming up this weekend. You open your season at the Shiners Children College Showdown over at Globe Life Field in Arlington. You open with Tennessee Friday night, top 10 Tennessee team. Nebraska and Oregon. I am really interested to see what your starting rotation is. I think we all pretty much know Kyle Robinson's going to throw game one. I think Zach Petty's, or Zane Petty, I'm sorry. Zane Petty's probably going to throw game two for you. I want to see who throws game three. Could be Trenton Parrish. Could be uh, Washburn, Jack Washburn. Could be Jacob Rogers would be an interesting guy to watch. And then if you don't throw Trenton Parrish, I think it would be really interesting to see if he's going to be your closer and take over the Beckel role from last season. But uh, that's going to do it on the Texas Tech actual athletic front. Patrick Mahomes won his third Super Bowl MVP. And now I'm not the type of Tech, tech fan that's a Chiefs fan too. But man, I... It has been pretty insane to hear the GOAT conversations around him. And I got to say, he is by far the most talented football player we've seen over Aaron Rodgers. Has more success than him too. The only tough thing for him is that Brady won a Super Bowl over him. And beat him in the AFC Championship his first year as a starter. I don't think is a huge deal, but... The only thing that's going to be tough for him in the GOAT conversation now is that Brady has that one Super Bowl win over him. Although, by the way, 
Patrick Mahomes' only Super Bowl loss was to Tom Brady. Tom Brady was losing to guys like Eli Manning twice and Nick Foles. And, by the way, he did not have a great team around him, but absolutely insane Super Bowl. I, I mean, I was watching the first half. I'm sure everybody was. It it didn't just look like San Francisco was outplaying them. It was just a pretty boring game in the first half and then ended up being one of the best Super Bowls of all time. That's going to do it for this one. Uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow, actually, with the baseball preview. About to get extremely busy and going to be extremely busy for all the people on campus that are responsible for moving all the ESPN Plus broadcast stuff around. If y'all didn't know this, and thank God, thank God, we start, or we have our Baylor game on ESPN or ESPN2, forget which one it is right now, because that March 9th weekend, you don't just play Baylor in basketball that Saturday to finish out your season in Lubbock. You are also hosting Texas in baseball, and I believe the Texas baseball game on Saturday starts three hours before the Baylor game, and you know, everybody knows how these college baseball games go. That game is not going to be done by the time basketball starts. So I am really glad because if y'all remember these broadcasts, and I'm sure there will be plenty of them, there's no scoreboard or nothing when the ESPN Plus broadcast stuff is being used by uh, by basketball. So really thankful that our game against Baylor is actually on real TV and they could just leave the ESPN Plus stuff for the Texas Texas Tech baseball series. But that's going to do it for this one. We'll be back tomorrow. And what a Monday night it was in Lubbock. As impressive of a victory as it can get. Tough one coming up Saturday. But every opportunity for wins in your last six games of the season. And big wins as well.